Welcome back to the Cowboy Talk Podcast, which is back after a little bit of a break. I am your host, Justin Sharp, joined today by a very special guest, and that is Doster Harper, the current national FFA president. So, Doster, how are you doing today? I'm doing very well, Justin. How about yourself? I am doing really well. Uh, today's podcast, if anybody wants to listen to two uh, people in FFA leadership nerd about nerd out about our favorite thing, FFA, then this podcast is definitely for you. Uh, so the podcast has had a little bit of a break due to a state officer run that I just got through, but we're back and we're going to be doing basically weekly episodes again. And this one kicks it off with a pretty special guest. So to start us off, Doster, where are you from and what's your ag background like? Yeah, for sure. I'm from Covington, Georgia, which is a town about 30 miles directly east of Atlanta, down there in the heart of the south. Uh, I love growing up in Covington and uh, I like it because it's a pretty good mixture between an urban and a rural community. So, uh, like I said, it's pretty much right outside of Atlanta. So we have a pretty good urban community right there around our town square and, and then downtown Covington. Uh, but outside of Covington, out in Newton County, where I'm from, there's pretty good uh, rural landscape as well. A lot of people grow some cattle and uh, row crops and things like that, which are pretty popular down in Georgia. Um, but I actually didn't come from any type of production agriculture background at all. Uh, but I got introduced to the ag industry really once I started getting more involved in FFA. And um, so through FFA, I got to participate in the supervised agricultural experience, which dealt with honeybees and beekeeping. So that was my first avenue into learning a lot more about production agriculture and how farmers rely on pollinators in the environment uh, to produce their crops. And so that's what really got me started in production agriculture and got me a lot more involved in the organization. So I'm really happy and really excited to be with you today on the podcast talking about ag and FFA. And so um, thank you for having me, man. Yeah, well, glad to have you. So I guess my biggest question out of that is uh, how did you get into like honeybees out of all things? Because um, actually on our state officer team, there's another member who is doing <laughs> honeybees and she's tried to explain it to us before. And it is easily one of the most complex ag related things i've ever listened to so how did you get into that of all things to start yeah they are really interesting and um ever since i was a young kid my favorite subject in school was always science and so um actually once i started in high school i really had the career aspiration to be um like a healthcare scientist i really wanted to go into into sports medicine because baseball was a really big uh part of my childhood and so i really wanted to get involved in both science and baseball as a sports medicine orthopedic. And um, in my freshman year of high school, I actually didn't get end up being able to join the healthcare class, but ended up getting placed into an agriculture science class in, in my foundation ag. And so I was an FFA member in ninth grade, but I never really got involved in FFA or did anything in it until my 10th grade year. I needed a science fair project for my chemistry class. And so uh, my ag teacher knew that and he threw out this random idea of a beekeeping project to the class and asked if anybody wanted to take the lead on it. And I knew nothing about honeybees or beekeeping at the time, had no interest in it at all. But I asked him if it could count as my science fair project for my chemistry class. And he said, yeah, sure. So that's what I did. I used it for my science fair project and my chemistry class. And then at the end of the year, my ag teacher encouraged me to compete with it in agri-science fair and FFA. And so the first time I ever zipped up my blue corduroy jacket was to attend Georgia FFA state convention during sophomore year of high school. And, um, I went to compete in agri science fair and that's where I fell in love with the organization. I, I found, uh, found that I could have a place, even though science was my favorite subject, I found that agriculture science was a place where I could get involved in FFA and this FFA thing might be for me. 
And so on the way home, uh, two chapter officers encouraged me to run for chapter office after that convention. And I ended up running, getting elected to serve as chapter treasurer. And from that point on, just continued to get more involved in honeybees and beekeeping and, and FFA. So that was a whole lot of fun. And I really enjoyed that convention. And Justin, it just kind of reminds me, I, I really feel like everybody in FFA always has that one moment where they really start to think like, this FFA thing may be for me. Like I may be able to have a place or be able to get involved in this organization. And for me, it was that one moment I had at state convention, but Justin, I'm wondering if you ever had that one moment for yourself where you found out that, Hey, this, this organization has a place for me and and FFA may be for me in the future. You know, actually that's really interesting because what makes your stories and stories like it, uh, very interesting to me is that I actually, I had one of those moments, but I knew what FFA was all along. So I go to a really tiny school. Like I have I think we're going to have 22 kids in my graduating class, extremely tiny. Uh, in my county, the population density is less than one person per square mile, if that could be possible. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I've known what FFA was all along just because it's something our school is really good at all along. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. we, have, we have sports like basketball and football and all that, but they we just aren't near as good at that as we are things like FFA. So I've always known what it was, and I knew that I was going to want to do it, but I guess I would say that the moment I knew I was stuck with it and was like, man, this is really what I want to pursue in high school was probably just my first uh, district soils competition. Um, Because as in middle school and even elementary school a little bit, it wasn't as noticeable. And I was always just kind of that kid that like was good at some things, wasn't great at anything. And when I went to soils competition, I knew that it was something that I was actually going to proceed at. I did fairly well and I made a bucket load of friends while I was doing it. Everybody was Mm -hmm. super nice. And even though it was a competitive environment, it was a positive competitive environment. So Mm -hmm. I'm I'm guessing that's probably what really stuck it for me. But then just the entire journey of, you know, running for office and things like that, similar to what you're saying about chapter office, really just it it sold me on FFA. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I I love hearing that, man. That's really cool. Yeah. And another thing I was going to bring up is, isn't it crazy how many FFA members, especially ones in leadership roles, have stories like that where they – just either fall into it accidentally or just stumble into the organization without knowing what it is. Isn't that kind of crazy to you? It it really is. Yeah. And And I'm sure you've seen it a lot more than I have been on the level you are. Yeah. And I love, I always love hearing those stories. Like the one you talk about at your district soils competition. I mean, every student has that. It really reminds me of that convention theme we had just a couple of years ago in 2018. It was the just one theme. And, and that one really hit home with me because I can think of so many just one moments throughout my FFA journey, which, I mean, it, it's funny how they always, there's always a time and a plan for everything in place. And it's really cool because, I mean, if it wasn't for that just one moment when Dr. Pollard threw out a random idea of an SAE in our ad class, I, I wouldn't be here today. I wouldn't be wearing a national officer jacket. And if it wasn't for that just one moment I had with those chapter officers, I wouldn't be wearing a national officer jacket because they saw something in me that I didn't see in myself and Jordan and Emily really encouraged me to do that. And so that's why I would encourage to anyone who's listening, like Justin said, I mean, chapter officers have a really big impact and never underestimate the impact that a chapter officer has uh, because they really make all the change happen in this level. And they make those just one moments happen for members all across this country. Yeah, for sure. Um, I guess now let's talk a little bit more about like the leadership side of this. So to start off, do you prefer career development events or leadership development events? For those listening, uh, basically it's the difference between something like a soils judging contest or something that's a hands-on skill versus something like speaking or parliamentary procedure. 
Yeah, I, I would have to say career development events. Me too. Leadership. Yeah, LDEs are a lot of fun, but I, I never got to compete in any LDEs really? in high school. Wow. Um, yeah, so I, I, every everything I did was CDEs. LDEs were a big thing in Georgia, uh, but I was too old to compete in a few of them. And then uh, I just got really involved in CDEs and my SAE. So LDEs are fun to watch, but the only ones I ever competed in were CDEs. Wow. So you never never did any, you know, speaking competitions or anything like that? I did not. Nope. The first time I ever spoke. Yeah. The the first time I ever spoke in front of an audience was my election speech for state office. So seriously, it was. Yeah. In in front of a considerable audience besides chapter banquets and things like that. It was. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what does the leadership structure look like in Georgia? Is it, uh, districts, regions, once you get above the chapter level, or does it just go straight to state? Yeah, so in Georgia, we have three regions, uh, north, central, and south region. And then within each region, there's two areas. So we have six areas in total, two areas per region. And so each area has its own area officer team. And I think there's eight area officers per area, um, eight or ten. And so uh, there's a total of 48. Um, so that would be eight per area. Okay. And then we have eight state officers. Nice. And th- okay. That makes sense. So did you run yep. for an area officer seat then? I never, I never did run for area office. Um, I never really got inspired to run for state office until my senior year of high school, uh, when I attended national convention that year. And so that's when I finally got that inspiration to be an officer above that chapter level. So I never really found the inspiration to serve as an area officer, but um, it's not required to be a state officer in Georgia. Wow. What what about what was it at national convention that made you want to make that decision? Was it just seeing all the people that were so hyped up about being there? Yeah, that was really cool. But I really think what what inspired me the most is the amount of support that I saw from the community that was pouring into us as we traveled to convention. Um, I actually got to compete at convention that year. And just so many people on my chapter officer team, so many FFA members from our chapter and people on Facebook from my community just sending me a lot of support and a lot of prayers and thoughts really meant so much to me. And I really wanted that opportunity to to represent those people well on a bigger level and represent my chapter because my chapter was really young. The first year that my chapter started was the first year that I was an FFA member. And I really wanted to put that chapter on the map and represent it well and um, represent them on the state level. And then um, also just that opportunity to provide and encourage students to get those same opportunities that I had to get to go to convention and, and to get to advocate for those opportunities was what really inspired me. It's it's another those another one of those small moments that I think about. It's just we rode up on a bus to convention that year and uh, riding home from that convention on the bus when it was pitch black dark and nobody was talking or saying anything. And I was listening to music in my earbuds. I remember thinking, I want more of this. I want to make more of this happen for other students across the country. And so that's when state office jumped into my mind. That's awesome. And what did your state office, I guess you could say candidacy. It's kind of like that. I'm mm-hmm. guessing your process is a lot different. So what did your process look like? <clears throat> yeah. And I'd love to hear more about um, how Oregon FFA is split up as well and what y'all's process looks like after this. But um, so we have a nominating committee weekend, the weekend before state convention and so state officer candidates will travel down after they've already turned in an application which is part of the judging process um state officer candidates will travel down the weekend before state convention to our camp to our ffa camp they'll stay there for one night 
And um, our nominating committee process is split up into, I think, four different types of interviews. There's a 50-question multiple-choice test, and then there's two personal interviews, um, three questions per personal interview. And then we have a group interview at the end where they'll pretty much split all the candidates up into three different groups, and each group will have a different group interview. Um, so there's a test, um, an application, two personal interviews, and then a group interview. And then from that nominating committee process, uh, four candidates will be chosen to advance through the nominating committee from each region, which I talked about earlier. So we'll have four per region. And then at state convention, that's when they announce the four that make it through each region. And those four candidates from each region will give an election speech to the delegates and the delegates vote on the state officers. And at that point, it's strictly up to the delegates and uh, 100% based on their votes to, to see who makes it on the state officer team. Okay, so yours is actually a lot similar to ours than I was thinking it would be. So ours mm-hmm. is really similar through the nominating committee process to state convention, but after that gets a little different. So basically what we do is we submit an application and a candidate letter about a month before nominating committee, which always happens at state convention. And mm-hmm. in the letter, I mean, the letter's not really worth much. It's just kind of getting your name out there to delegates and everybody else. Um, but after that, you go into nominating committee. You do, let's see if I remember, a round-robin interview, which is about, I want to say it was about 50 questions, and it's just, you know, bam, 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 really rapid-fire stuff. You do a beha- mm-hmm. two, be- two behavioral interviews, which are much deeper things, and that's with all the nominating committee just talking to you. You do a stakeholder interview <laughs> with somebody who's either like a contributor to FFA or somebody who's just kind of just trying to get involved with it, basically. Um, you, right. you do a member interview with any, literally any member, and it can be a scenario like, this is a freshman who's discouraged about the coming year, try to convince them to stay in FFA, things like that. And then we do a test, and I think, off the top of my head, I think that's all of it. And then from there, nominating make, committee makes a couple cuts down to the top 10 candidates, and then the delegates vote on it. But the top 10 candidates get to give a speech. Okay, that's very cool. So is your nominating committee, is that like a group of FFA members that are selected by the state officers? or? Yeah, so that actually leads into how we're split up as a state. So we have, uh, we don't have regions, we have districts. Um, I believe there's 12 of them, 11 of them. Um, right. We have 11 districts, and each of those districts has a district officer team of six people. And mm-hmm. usually what they do for nominating committee is they try to take the highest slated district officer from each district that A, isn't running for state office, uh, or B, isn't going to run for state office, because if you're on nominating committee in our state, uh, you usually can't run for state office the next year. So they try to pick people Uh like that, but you end up from one representative from each district. Okay, that's really cool. Um, Georgia is actually uh, pretty unique and a little bit different. So I think we are pretty much the only state or one of the very few states who has the nominating committees just made up of the state officer team. Uh, So. Yeah, so our retiring state officer team, who is retiring at that convention, uh, they serve as a nominating committee, uh, which is pretty interesting. It's really intimidating as a state officer oh, candidate bet, yeah. walking into that interview room. Um, and so um, it's a little bit different from yours, but that's really cool to see the different states and how they run that process. Yeah. So what what's the relationship between state officers and members like in Georgia? Because like, if it was like that in Oregon, for us, it would be <laughs> very interesting because state officers, they're – I wouldn't – say celebrity that's kind of a not the right word to use but Mm -hmm. it's just somebody that you always look up to because they're the ones that are you know running state convention running leadership camp uh 
touring the state, going to each chapter, like doing huge road trips and coming and talking to us individually. So what's that relationship like? Oh yeah. I think it's, it's pretty similar for us too. Um, our state officers do a whole lot of traveling. Um, we actually still stay in school as state officers in Georgia. Uh, but about half the team will probably be in college. And so, um, for those that are in college, they're actually able to schedule their classes in college only on Tuesdays and Thursdays. So Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays during the week, uh, most state officers are usually traveling. And for the folks that are still in high school while they're serving as a state officer, they'll probably take off a few classes to travel. And uh, we do workshops on chapter visits, and then we have conferences uh, a couple times each semester. Um, but, you know, state officers get to know the members really well. And so through things yeah. like social media or handwritten correspondence or uh, just being able to meet them at conferences or on chapter visits. And it, you know, that, that is something that obviously the state officer team has to take into consideration. And um, I know that every state officer team is pretty mature. And obviously I think they handle that in a very responsible way because um, our nominating, our nominating committee process is based strictly on scores. Um, so well, ours is uh, too. Yeah. 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 Right. So it's really hard to get any type of bias in there when it's based on scores. Um, and so, uh, state officers get to know the members really well. Uh, we get to see, and uh, they take that into consideration when selecting delegates to represent Georgia at national convention. And um, that's always a really cool play, a really cool thing to watch, especially uh, for me being able to watch Georgia's state officer team this year. I'm sure that um, y'all in Oregon will do the same thing, but I, I've watched Georgia's state officer team handle uh, this year really well, a year that was obviously really unprecedented, but they made the most of it. And I can't wait to actually get to visit Georgia next week for their state convention, which I'm really excited about. Awesome. Are they having it in person or what are they doing for that? Uh, it'll be hybrid. Okay. So um, it's Monday through Saturday is, is the entire convention. Oh, wow. and so Monday through Friday will be virtual. And I think Monday and Tuesday is mostly retiring addresses and workshops. And then the sessions will start a little bit later. Uh, but Monday through Friday will be virtual and then we'll have one in-person day on Saturday where we'll have two sessions and that's when they'll announce the new state officer team for Georgia on that Saturday. That's awesome. Um, see, yeah, that's, that's really interesting. I, did you get to watch ours, Oregon's? I did. Yeah. I watched all of it. I, I was the visiting national officer at Oregon's convention. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. I was, I was really inspired by how well it was all put together and, I was really excited to get to watch some live sessions. I thought it was really cool that uh, the Oregon State officers who just retired got to have some live um, online sessions, which were really cool. All six of them did a fantastic job. It was really cool to watch um, Grace and Jenna and and um, Colby, Cy. Fair, they all did a great job. And yeah. It was awesome to watch. You want to know something interesting? I, I'll tell you this. I don't know if I'm supposed to tell people, mm-hmm. but I'll cut it out if I'm not supposed to. I'll ask. Uh, we didn't know where our state convention was going to be and how we were going to do it two weeks before it happened. Really? Yeah, they didn't. They like they wanted to do it live. They had the idea, but they just didn't really know what that was going to look like in terms of location mm-hmm. and you know production and who was going to put it together and all that. Just because it's so hard to make uh, perfect, and they found a place in Cornelius, Oregon, which was it's I think it's about two hours from Corvallis, which is where our state office is. Right. And. Uh, they found it in the last two weeks and they put that all together then. But yeah, it was, it was a struggle. It was pretty cool to hear about. 
Yeah, that I, I love hearing that. I, I'm glad they, they got to make it work. And I think I left Ramey and Olivia out when I was listing all six state officers earlier. But those six just did a tremendous job yeah. of handling what was thrown at them. And, and even a plant blowing up just across the street from where their <laughs> Isn't arena that insane? was. Like, it, it's safe to say they got off to an explosive start. <laughs> yeah, but, for sure. Uh, it was so cool to watch. And to be able to watch your team be installed in person there at the studio live was so cool. And I was so proud to watch that. Um, I really enjoyed watching that convention and watching them celebrate all the member successes. Yeah, it was awesome. I, I don't think it could have done. I don't think it could have gone any better, honestly, like with the circumstances and and COVID regulations and everything else. I don't think there's any way it could have gone better. It was about as perfect as it could have got. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And and it was also really cool. I think my favorite part was watching all the members' reactions on Zoo while they were announcing award winners. That was so cool. They they did that a lot like National Convention was. And it's really cool to get to share that moment with those members. Like you're not with them in person, but you almost feel like it because you don't get to see that in person in an arena as much as you do when you're watching their reactions on that screen from Zoom, which was really cool. That's very true. And it's it's less personal and the fact that like you're not there with them but it's almost more personal because it's it's more in tune with two different people individuals in a way if that makes sense that's actually a good point i didn't think of before yeah i totally agree yeah so what is i guess actually we can start with this point um when did you decide to look at national office because that is a huge step up like state office is a big deal but that's a massive step up from state office yeah i i think national office kind of crept into my mind um after I finished facilitating conference as a state officer, actually, it was during the fall of my state officer year, probably just before national convention. Um, we In Georgia, we have a conference uh, that's called Discovery Conference, which is strictly for middle school students. Uh, we have a very large middle school student body in Georgia. I think it's one of the largest in the nation. And so a lot of middle school members um, have, a, have a whole lot to add uh, to our our um, Georgia FFA membership and it's always really cool to hang out with them. And so we have a discovery conference specifically for middle school students. And um, at this discovery conference that I was facilitating, I met a student named Alex and Alex was uh, such a cool student to get to know. Uh, and uh, I'll never forget while we were getting ready for the opening session of this discovery conference, it was in Tabor auditorium at Camp John Hope, right in the middle of Georgia. Um, the fall August heat is beating down on us and all, Alex is literally just sprinting in circles around this auditorium while we're getting ready for the opening <laughs> session. And if you've ever met a middle school FFA member, I don't know if you have those uh, middle school members in, in Oregon, but um, to know a middle school member, that is not a surprise. <laughs> they are oftentimes running, bouncing off the walls, and <laughs> Alex was no exception. He was literally just sprinting in circles around that auditorium. And next thing I know, I was laughing at him and cutting up. And next thing I know, Alex is challenging me to a sprinting race. And so um, – <laughs> Out of nowhere, Alex and I are literally just sprinting in circles. We're having races, uh, just seeing who's the fastest. And Alex beat me a whole lot because I'm not too fast. But I was just slipping all over the floor in an official dress, having a good time while I'm sprinting with Alex. And, um, you know, at the time when that moment was happening, I didn't think much of it. But on my way home from that conference, I I got to thinking more about Alex. And um, I just really felt like Alex is a good representation of so many students across the nation uh, who have so much passion and energy for this organization and what it does for students. And Alex literally uh, was the prime example of that. I mean, he was so excited and he had so much energy for what we were doing at that conference. And uh, he brought all the energy to the table and I just fed off of it. And 
I wanted to spend another year of my life uh, being able to be with students like Alex who have so much passion and energy for FFA and they want to make their communities better. They want to make others better and do what the things that we do to serve in FFA. And I just wanted to be uh, with students like Alex on a national scale and do whatever I can to help them uh, realize and achieve their full potential. And so uh, that's when national office crept into my mind on the way home from that conference. But um, I decided not to think about it anymore or to try not to think about it, but definitely not do anything to prepare for national office until after I retired from state office in April, because during that state officer year, I really wanted to focus on the students that I was chosen to serve uh, before I started preparing for students that I could potentially serve, um, which is any advice that I would give for any officer um, who's a chapter officer, a state officer, district officer, even a, um, a, an area officer. Uh, just making that decision to serve the members where you're at right now, the members that you've already been chosen to serve, and then worry about the students that you could potentially serve after you retire. I think that's some great advice. I know a lot of people, um, there's a lot of people I think almost see as a stepping stone, like just Mm -hmm. to go higher. And that's definitely the wrong way to look at it. Like definitely not your job. And I think that's a great piece of advice. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I would also say you don't have to have an officer title to serve. Um, So many FFA members, so many FFA members serve in so many incredible ways uh, who aren't officers. And obviously that officer uh, position allows us to reach more students maybe, but at the same time, I believe a lot of FFA members uh, make so much great impacts on their community without an officer title. And it's definitely not necessary, but like you said, Justin, just making sure that we have that service mentality and serving the students that we are chosen to serve is, is so important uh, because every officer in this organization has a tremendous ability to make a big impact. And I believe that if you're chosen to be an officer, you have that ability to make the impact. Yeah. And so um, I'm with them every step of the way. Yeah. Leadership doesn't come with a title. All the title does is gives you a platform to use your voice with. That's that's in training, uh, not training, in that's a weird way to put it. Um, in preparation for nominating committee, that was one of the questions that you definitely think of a lot because you know it's going to come up in nominating committee. And mm-hmm. I think after all the thinking that uh, we did, because we did a little bit of group exercise stuff, that's what we came up with. So, um, But more realistically, what did that process like look like? I mean, you had about six months off between state office and national office candidacy, right? Yeah, I did. So I actually had um, about a year and six months because oh, I retired okay. from state office. Yeah, so I retired okay. from state office in 2019. I actually ended up running for national office that year, uh, but each state can only submit one candidate, and I ran for Georgia's candidacy, but I wasn't chosen that year. So I had uh, a year off, and then I ran again and, and was selected to be Georgia's candidate. So I had about a year and a year and a half uh, between state office and national office. Okay. What kind of prep did you do? Did you have somebody that was like – not necessarily a coach, but like somebody that was kind of a mentor to you or did you just go all solo? I did. Um, I didn't have uh, really when I was uh, preparing to be uh, go through the process for Georgia's candidacy. Um, I took the, a lot of that on my own just because, you know, I called people from the community and um, my advisor was really a big mentor for me in that area. Just getting ready to go through that process for Georgia's candidacy uh, just because not not many state staff can really help me. Um, in that portion just because they can't choose favorites or do anything like that because their job is um, to be equal for all Georgia's candidates. But um, after I was selected to be Georgia's candidate, um, I worked a lot with the state staff. Uh, Mr. Lastly and Mr. Paul are our state staff at Georgia FFA. Uh, Mr. Paul is actually Andy Paul, who served as national president um, in 1415. 
And so Andy uh, was a really big mentor and best friend for me throughout that process. Um, he gave me so much advice and uh, we went through practice interviews every single Friday um, during the fall semester of school from when I got to UGA in the fall, all the way up until national officer interview selection process. I went through a practice interview, um, a round of practice interviews every Friday. Um, so at least once a week. And other than that, just pretty much taking every opportunity I could to study on my own. Um, I developed, a, I made, made a binder for myself with a whole lot of study material, did a whole lot of self-reflection to learn about how I personally serve and lead best and what I bring to the team and what I can bring to the organization. And so um, it was a really good journey of just finding who I am, uh, how I lead and, and how I can best serve for the FFA members as a national officer. And so um, it was a really long and strenuous process, but definitely one that I'm really thankful for and um, one that I'll, I'll never forget going through for sure. Yeah. See, I think I had a similar experience running for state office. Like you don't really take the time to think about like what your why is as much as you do until you run for something like that. And Mm -hmm. it's, it's honestly kind of an eye opening experience when you do it, just to have that much time to think about, you know, how am I going to tell these people, um, why I want to do this and who I am and do it in a way that's, you know, uh, going to make sense to them. It's really cool experience. So is it a lot harder to run for national office than state office? Uh, is it, you know, is it much more difficult in terms of skill set and things like that, or is it similar? Um, you, you know, there, I think parts of it are a little bit harder for me. Parts of it were a little easier too. I feel like, um, national office, pro- the national officer selection process was, um, pretty difficult and strenuous and it's meant to be that way because serving a year as a national officer is, is not an easy thing either. And so, um, it's meant to mimic that and, and to see who is best successful to serve on that team of six. And, um, so it was a lot more interviews for me than state officer, than the state officer selection process was. Uh, but at the same time, I feel like when I was going through that national officer selection process, I knew a lot more about FFA and I knew a lot more about what service an FFA looks like than I did whenever I was running for state office. And so that helped me a lot. Um, just being able to base a lot of my interview questions and a lot of my stories and experiences off of successful students that I've gotten to know and, and to meet in, in this um, organization. And so whether I got elected or not, I was just really thankful for that opportunity to be able to share those students' stories and experiences in that interview room. And I knew that at the end of that week, whether I got elected or not, I got to talk about a lot of really cool students that I've gotten to meet and I got to share their stories. And that alone was a success for me. And um, I felt like I did my part to make an impact on that committee and to make an impact on the candidates that I got to go through that process with. And so I saw that as, as a success either way. And I'm really thankful that at the end of the day, I was able to choose and and this, uh, I was able to be chosen to be served in this capacity. See, I love that perspective of going into it and, saying hey even if i don't get elected i appreciate the experience because here in oregon i don't know if it's like that in georgia but the state office runs are super super like stressful and people get really nervous about it and it really it 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 almost it doesn't make you feel good when you see people lose and then get down about it because like when you go and run like and i had the same attitude as you um like you're just so grateful for the experience like i was talking about earlier to be able to you know think about it and think about what your why is and all that and mm-hmm. it's just overall, it's a great experience. And I, I don't know, I can't see being down about losing just because you get that value out of it. But yeah, that's a really great point. Yeah, for sure. And, and Justin, was your uh, state officer selection process this year? Was that virtual? Uh, yeah, it was. So basically everything that they would do on a normal year, uh, they did mm-hmm. that on Zoom. And okay. that 
I mean, it, it really wasn't that much different other than you're talking through a computer screen rather than face to face, but, um, yeah. Right. Yeah. And obviously we weren't at state convention this year, but yeah. Was yours? Yeah. The whole national, the national officer office, selection yeah. process was, yeah, it was virtual. And, um, and so, like you said, they pretty much did everything the exact same way, except it was virtual, except they did change one round, uh, this year. Uh, they changed the first initial roundup just a little bit, but other than that, everything was pretty much the exact same. And um, I really give my kudos to all the national FFA staff, especially Mr. Eric Nelson, who planned and executed all of it because they did it flawlessly. Nice. I have a cousin named Eric Nelson, so every time I hear that, it's kind of funny. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's pretty neat. Yeah. What, what did you guys do for uh, speeches this year then? Did you just give them like on a Zoom call to all the delegates? Yeah, so um, – now, are you talking about like the stand and deliver round of national officer selection process? Yes, I yeah, yeah. Um, so the national officer candidates never really give any election speeches. Okay, okay. Um, but there is a speech round of the interview process, and so that's called the stand and deliver round. And yeah, that was done virtual. They they really just gave us like a virtual uh, topic or or situation where you're at like a virtual conference or whatever. And they've asked you uh, to give five minute remarks. And so it was the same standard deliver round as usual, but just in a virtual format. Okay. That makes sense. That makes sense. Um, I guess coming to a close here. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, I guess this isn't the close. This is pre closer. When you got elected, what is that like? Like what was the first thing that went through your head? Cause that just, <laughs> it's, re- it's, it's a wild experience, like even for state <laughs> office. So I, I can't imagine what would it be as a national president. What was that like? Yeah, it was a very wild experience for sure. Um, I, I can't really recall or remember what exactly went through my head, except I can't believe that just happened right yeah, after I got that's... elected. Um, but I, you know, obviously you've probably seen the videos. It, it was in a virtual format, just like virtual convention was. And, so we all got onto a Zoom call just before that session started. And so all the candidates were on our own Zoom call right through the, that entire final session. And obviously we couldn't talk any, or anything because we were all muted. So that was a little bit awkward uh, being on that Zoom call and uh, just being able to faintly hear what was going on in the session because, uh, I mean, it was just coming from our computer sound. So it was, I was barely able to hear it, but I, that may have also been because I was so um, dang nervous, but at the same time, um, just, you know, the president, uh, I was elected to serve as president this year and, and that is the last officer title who is announced. And so I remember thinking after Anna Mathis was announced to serve as national secretary and remembering that she was in the Southern region and knowing that they had already announced the Southern region vice president. I just remember thinking that um, it doesn't look like it's going to happen for me this year and, that, and that's okay. I'll, I'll be able to serve somewhere else and, um, when I heard my name called or, or when I heard Georgia say called, it was, uh, just a complete moment of, of complete shock and disbelief. Um, and I, I was very thankful that I was surrounded by the people who got me to that moment, uh, right there while I was in that moment, yeah. because in a normal year, um, in person, you're surrounded by 30 or 40 other candidates who you literally just met a week ago. But for me, I got to share that moment with people who I've been through this entire life together. Uh, my family was right there with me. My mentors, my advisors, uh, Mr. Lastly and Mr. Paul were all right there. And so it was such a cool moment to be able to embrace them right there and share that moment with yeah. them. Uh, I was so thankful because I would not have gotten to that moment without them. Um, they pushed me and encouraged me all along the way. And Justin, I'm sure you have those same folks that you got to be with for your state officer 
uh, announcement as well. Yeah, um, for sure. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, were y'all announced virtually too? Yeah, so uh, in Oregon, when we give our top 10 speeches, usually every candidate sits up on the stage at state convention. And uh, uh-huh. the, the past be the past state position for whatever name is being called after elections is there. Um, and that corresponds with speeches and all that. And this year we did the same thing, but virtual, but instead of obviously being on the stage with everybody, all the delegates on the floor, it was, uh, our two of our voting delegates because each chapter votes for state officers here, my advisor and I in a room and yes, it was very similar. As soon as it came out, it, you're definitely grateful that you get to be with them when it happens because it's the people that have seen you all the way through. Oh yeah. It, it was a really cool moment. And, um, I, it's one that I always be thankful for. Yeah. What were the people around you's reactions? Like, were they just insanely excited or what, what was that like? Yeah, it was very similar. Um, it's all a blur to me, but thankfully yeah. my principal, my principal, uh, my high school was in that room with us that day and he was actually filming it and I did not know. So, <laughs> um, I actually have a video from someone who was in the room who I watch, uh, which I watch every now and then when I need a little bit of encouragement to see my uh, family members' reactions to that video. I'm really thankful for Mr. Walker for capturing that moment for me. Um, but uh, my two parents were sitting right next to me, my mom and my dad, and people always joke about our reactions all the time because literally all three of our jaws, our jaws just dropped. And uh, <laughs> I, I hugged them. My mom is crying because my mom's always a crier like that. And so uh, my advisors are crying. They're all there. Um, and literally right after I remember thinking, uh, just talking with them about that. And, um, you know, it's, it's hard to put that into words because I couldn't find any words right after that moment it happened. I was just sitting there in in disbelief, but uh, it was cool to see their reactions because, um, it it didn't sink in and it still hasn't quite sunk in yet, but it was really cool to share. You got to do reality checks every day. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Right. I'm sure you do it. You do the same thing. Oh yeah. It's wild. Like, yeah. When we were doing ours, I was making phone calls before to like other delegates across the state. Like, Hey, so if I get put at large, which is the bottom four positions in the top 10 that have to get nominated up to be elected. Um, I was like, if I get put at large, can you like nominate me here and here and kind of making a game plan. And the slate came out right. and it said president. And I like, like you say, just jaw drops and the two delegates in the room look at me and they're like, what? Cause they weren't expecting mm-hmm. it as much either. And it was, it was nuts. It's, it's an insane feeling. It's probably unparalleled honestly for me. It is. And Justin, you're serving as vice president, right? Yep. Yep. Okay, cool. Well, that, that's good to hear, man. And, and I know that you're going to do so many great things this year as a state officer. I, I got to talk with your team just a few days ago on Zoom, and it was a lot of fun to, to hear y'all's plans and, and, and what you're excited for this year. And so I'm really excited to see how you serve and grow. And it's funny how every state or district or national officer always says uh, the same thing. It, you know, we couldn't believe it when we got elected. And I love it because that is because of the members who make this organization yeah, so special. Sure. And, and every officer who gets elected is just in complete disbelief because they get to spend another year with those members. And that's so cool to think about. And I'm really thankful for all the members in this organization who make it such a special opportunity to serve in, in, in the FSA. Yeah, for sure. And especially this year is going to be an interesting one because now all of our, you know, state officer, district officer, national officer teams, we all have the opportunity to bounce back and, be even better when we come back so it's going to be very interesting and very fun to watch and participate in yeah yeah absolutely for sure yeah so in closing here i want to ask you uh let's see two questions here or three <laughs> questions actually um what was no. your biggest takeaway from chapter office what was your biggest takeaway from uh state office and what was your biggest takeaway well what is do you think is going to be your biggest takeaway from national office 
Yeah, that's those are three great questions right there. And so I think uh, for me, my biggest takeaway take from from chapter office was the support that our community can provide. Uh, I remember to this day very vividly my chapter banquet during my senior year. We were in uh, the auditorium in my high school, uh, just away from the cafeteria, and I just remember like almost having tears in my eyes at that chapter banquet. And I remember telling the my advisor next to me. Dr. Pollard, I, I remember telling him, I, I can't believe this is over. I, I can't believe um, this journey is over. And he, he nudged me like, and it was literally just a couple of weeks after I got elected to serve as a state officer. And he hit me on the shoulder and he's like, dude, you get a whole nother year of this. <laughs> and I just, no, I just meant, I told him, I was like, no, I mean, the journey in this high school, I, I can't believe it's over because it, it was just unreal to me how much support I got uh, from all the administrators and all the staff at the Career Academy where I went to high school um, at the Newton College and Career Academy and my advisor, Dr. Marcus Pollard, and my other one, Miss Cecily Gunter, who uh, supported me so much in everything that I did. And I'm so thankful for them and the mentors that they'll always be for me and um, all my friends that I got to go through that journey with, all my chapter officer teammates and my family, of course, just so many people supported me more than I could have ever thought or imagined uh, while I was going through that experience in high school. And um, that's something I'll never forget. And so taking that away uh, as I go into the future and into the world after high school, I just remember um, support from friends and family can can mean more than we ever believe. And so just even if it's something as simple as a text or a phone call to let them know that, hey, I'm holding you accountable or um uh, I'm just letting you know that I love you and I'm thinking about you today. Like that stuff goes a long way and, and lot, that yeah. support from the community. And um, it's something that we need now more than ever. And so that was my biggest takeaway from chapter office. And uh, for state office, I really took away the importance of, of uh, character and what the importance of a foundation is um, in someone's life and, and why we do things. Because I remember, um, in state office, I was I was bogged down a lot uh, with a lot of responsibilities, and uh, they were great responsibilities. It was being able to serve the members of Georgia FFA, which I love so much. But I, a lot of times, it, it became really challenging and really stressful. And um, there were a couple times where I felt like I was getting disgruntled or I was falling apart. And in those times, I remember it being so important to rely on the things that um, – are so important to us as individuals, our foundations and, and what we believe in. Right. And so I, I really found that the three core areas of my character or what I believe in that year were uh, my physical, my mental and my moral qualities. And um, the, the, I believe those qualities are really what make me who I am. And, and the great thing about them is that nobody else uh, can affect my physical strength. Nobody else can affect my mental well-being or, or, or my moral strength, right? Uh, only I have the ability to impact how strong those things are in my life. And so whenever challenging or stressful times come, those are the three things that I'm able to rely on. And so through those challenging responsibilities and stresses as state office, I learned how much I need to rely and strengthen those in order to accomplish and serve and succeed. Um, so that was my biggest takeaway from state office. And uh, for anybody who's listening, those uh, those are the things that we can think about a lot, and, and those are the things that are really important for us to rely on. So whenever change comes, we have a changeless core to react to that change, and, and that's what really helps us to overcome those changes. And that changeless core for me uh, was the physical, mental, and moral qualities of myself. And uh, so far, the biggest takeaway from national office has just been the, the – uh, 
the things that we take a lot for granted, but it's just connectedness and, and how we get to connect in such so many different and unique ways. Uh, because in years past, all we've done is connecting in person. And to see the connections happen in a virtual way this year has been really rewarding because it's so cool to see the different uh, diverse experiences all across the nation and, and so many different ways and, and being able to con- connect with students, even if it's through a virtual platform is something that I'm really grateful for. Uh, because connectedness goes a lot, uh, very similar with support from the community. It means a lot. And um, just connecting with people in whatever way that looks like can, can go a long way. And Justin, I'm really curious to hear about what your biggest takeaway has been from uh, serving as an officer in Oregon, whether that's as a state officer, a chapter officer, or a district officer. What, is, what has been your biggest takeaway so far? Uh, I think Okay, this is, this is going to be a good one. I've thought about this a lot, and there's a lot of different things that come out of it, so I have to yeah, narrow them sure. down right here. Uh, chapter office, I think the biggest thing that I get out of that is just feeling a sense of community. Um, on such a small level, I mean, especially being in a rural place like I am, uh, everybody knows everybody, and everybody has each other's back. Uh, there's such thing as small-town drama, but set that aside, everybody is just so connected that you're there's so much support for you as a chapter officer here. And it's really just amazing. It really, it boosts your confidence, humanity, if that makes sense. Uh, mm-hmm. District office, I think adapting and also just the importance of connections probably is what stuck out to me. Uh, in middle school, I was somebody who didn't really have a lot of social skills at all. Like I couldn't barely hold a conversation with my teacher, stuff like that. And as a district officer, uh, being able to you know branch out and meet all these people all the way up in Doofer, which is like, three hour drive away from me, getting to meet them at leadership camp and become friends with those people. Um, being able to become friends with people from urban areas that I don't have anything in common with, but making those connections and skills and making new friends and making relationships and making an impact on members as a whole is something that really Uh stood out to me in district office. And then for state office, uh, I think it's going to be a little bit of both. Honestly, I think that, uh, Oregon is a very, very diverse state. So we're going to get to, you know, reach out and make connections with people that we don't have a lot of common with and at the same time have that sense of community while coming out of this pandemic and making it beneficial for everybody and hopefully making everything even better than it was before reigniting. So that's probably my biggest takeaways. Absolutely. I love that, man. And thank you for sharing that. That's really cool. Yeah. Thank you. Well, Doster Harper does not get much better than that. And thank you so much for coming on the show today. It's awesome to have you. Dude, thank you so much for having me, Justin. I really enjoyed it, and I wish all of you in Oregon the very best. It was so cool to be with you for State Convention, and I enjoyed our conversation today a lot. Well, yeah, thank you. So you have been listening to the Cowboy Talk podcast, which can be found on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, and other places that you find your podcast. If you like the show, share it on social media, tell all your friends about it. And with that, have a great day. We'll talk to you next week.